Hey, welcome to the Hope Baptist Podcast. Today, Pastor Dave will continue his study entitled Signs, and he will be in the book of John chapter 6 today. That's kind of where Jesus feeds a lot of people. A whole lot. He'll tell you all about it. Stay tuned. Afterwards, check out our website. Lots of information there, and also there's information there about our vacation Bible experience. And there's info there on who you can contact so you can get your kids registered. They'll have a blast. Also, if you haven't been to Houghton Baptist, come and join us every Sunday, 10 a.m. Come as you are, we do. Enjoy the podcast and have a great day. Man, is it good to be here this morning. God is so faithful. He's good. Amen? Uh, we're going to dismiss our little ones for a children's church if they haven't already escaped. How many spent the day yesterday at the beach? And you guys are like, I don't know what to do. Pastors asked me a question. I'm so tired from the sun. Yeah. Don't be lazy this morning. All right? We spent the day at the beach yesterday, and man, the sun just drains you, doesn't it? It's fun. The water's enjoyable, and... The kids are playing, and you're just relaxing, enjoying the summer, but summer is kind of exhausting. <laughs> I don't want the white stuff. I don't want snow to happen uh, anytime soon, but uh, it's exhausting. So listen, I, I'm going to give you a freebie this morning. If you want to fall asleep, uh, you can go ahead and do that, uh, but you'll, you'll be missing something that God has for you. So go ahead and sleep. <laughs> Take a nap if you'd like, but God has something great for you. So let's pray and ask God to just keep us alert. If, if you need to, to go to the back and get some more coffee, listen, I'm cool with it one at a time. We don't want your whole family getting up and going in the back, but get your coffee. You need it. I miss drinking coffee. So let's pray. Father God, you are able and you are worthy. And to be here this morning where we could be anywhere else, uh, you've, you've set up an appointment, a divine appointment for us to be here and and we're thankful to be here, God, and to worship and different music and different songs and, and to just see your spirit moving. And God, teach us and train us to, 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 to adjust to what you're doing, God, and be movable. We want to be movable. Lord, I pray that today your Holy Spirit would speak mightily through me. Lord, I'm not worthy to speak the word, but you are. And we pray your Holy Spirit would do so. And Lord, as people are tired from vacationing and traveling and beach time and camps and fires and all the fun stuff we get to do in the summer, Lord, I pray today that they would engage you, God. Lord, that they would be open-minded to whatever you have for them, to speak directly into their lives and their hearts. And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be stubborn. I pray that we wouldn't resist. I pray that we wouldn't fight you, fight what you're trying to do in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, and in our church life, God, that we would just be receptive to what you have for us. Lord, we know that you're able, so I pray that you do a mighty work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So a few weeks ago, when we were kid-free in Marshfield, what a great time that was. Jillian and I went to Perkins, and we had forgotten, as a, a married couple, how awesome it was to, to eat a meal in a restaurant without the presence of our children. I know that sounds horrible. I mean, you guys are like, man, you're a bad father. I love my kids, don't, don't get me wrong, but, but not in a restaurant. I, 
I, I just don't. I mean, they don't know how to just chill and be settled, so there's chaos. We're that family that goes into a restaurant and people are like whispering, like, get your kids out of here. You know, it's just chaos, and Jillian and I are just trying to eat as fast as we possibly can to, it's like, do we enjoy our, no, no. Why did we do this? We could have stayed at home if we wanted chaos, and we just want to get out of there fast. So I've been pretty good about my new diet, and we get to Perkins a couple of weeks ago, and something clicked. Something was different for me. I wanted more food. I was hungry. I was in the mood for something that tasted better. So I ordered strawberry cream puffs. Oh, man, they look good on the menu. French toast, scrambled eggs. Have you guys eaten breakfast this morning? Sorry about that. Two slices of bacon, but I didn't stop there. I ordered a cup of coffee. Um, my, yeah, amen, right? You guys get all spiritual when I mention coffee. My, my favorite creamer was sitting on the table, those little vanilla cups. I just love those things. They excite me. So uh, I just couldn't help myself. I was about to have a feast, and I, I knew I was doing all things wrong, and my wife was looking at me like, what? are you doing? What are you doing? All I could say was, I was in the mood for something better. Not good for you, but something more satisfying. Today we're going to look at one of the most famous miracles in all of the Bible. This miracle is the fourth sign in John's gospel. Everybody say signs. Start out strong, church. I'll make you work this morning. This miracle, although famous and well-known, is new. It's, it's fresh. It's relevant. The, the Bible says that the Word of God never returns back void. There, there's always something tasteful, something good. So if you, if you think about, man, I've heard about feeding the 5,000, no big deal. I mean, it was a miracle Jesus did. You just kind of disengage, stay with me. My, my goal for us is that we begin to see God work in the small things. Everybody say small things. That was so sad. Small, small things. I, I know you guys don't like to be vocal, but I'm going to work at it this morning. So say, everybody say small things. All right, that's kind of the volume that I like each time I say that. Okay, so that we begin to believe in God for something more, something greater. We tend to just settle as we follow Christ, don't we? We just kind of go through the motions and we don't believe in God for something more, something greater. But we have to be sowing something small. It has to start up small. That we begin to desire a fresh dose, a healthy dose of Jesus Christ. In, in a way that we've never, ever, ever experienced before. Are you ready? Three of you. Go ahead and say yes or nod your head, okay? Turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Kind of a, a meaty text, but we're going to go through it. John chapter 6. I figured if I have to work up here, you guys got to go to work too. So, John chapter 6. You guys are a great congregation to preach to. We're blessed here, Amen. There we go, John chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Feel free to use your smartphones, your tablets. Stay off Facebook, but you can get on there and follow through your version Bible app. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. It says this, After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, 
And a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing on the sick. So Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now, the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. Therefore, when Jesus looked up and noticed, I love that word, noticed, a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so these people can eat? He asked us to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. But one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here. Isn't that cool? There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place where they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish as much, oh, that's awesome, as much, amen, as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing, nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled, I just love this about God, 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. Verse 14 says, when the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this really is the prophet who was to come into the world. Amen? The first thing that I want you to see here is the reason behind the crowd's presence that day. We, we tend to jump to the sign, and we, we miss the miracle. We, we miss the, the moment, the power behind the sign. It says that they followed Jesus because they saw the signs. A huge crowd followed Jesus because they saw the sign of him healing the sick specifically. We, we've seen the healing of the official son in week two of our series. We've seen the healing at the pool of Bethesda in week three. That was last week's message. Now we're about to see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, multiply a gift. One gift. Something small to feed thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Isn't that cool? No? One amen? Jesus Christ was performing these signs so that that people would put their faith and trust in Him, leaving their pursuit of other religions behind. See, Jesus Christ isn't one among many religions. He is religion. He is faith. The, The Bible says that He's the way, the truth, and the life that no man, no man comes to the Father but through Him, through Jesus. One answer, one way, one solution. So so Jesus wasn't doing these great and mighty things such as meeting the needs and healing the sick to attract a crowd or be some sort of sideshow for the masses. He, He wasn't there to entertain them or amuse them. What He was doing was significant and intentional. See, Jesus was intentional in his ministry. 
And not just for the people of that day, but for you and I. You see, church, he was changing the course of lives by each sign, each miracle that he performed, one by one, making a difference. Church, we, we can assume that not everybody there was for him, or was there for him, or to have a relationship with Jesus. Not everybody in Cana or Jerusalem were there for the right reasons. They, they had no intention of truly following Jesus Christ at a, at a deeper level. They were there to simply collect. You with me? Gain something from their time with Jesus. Not to mention it was Passover week and so many were already in town traveling for this festival. I'm sure even today, if we're being honest, if we're being truthful, there are some who are here for the wrong reasons. Some who are here to, to collect in some form or fashion, looking for God to, to solve all their problems, but yet not willing to fully surrender their hearts and their lives to Jesus and to his work. Haven't we pursued God at times for the wrong reasons? Nobody? You guys are like, maybe you, Pastor. <laughs> Not me. I'm a cleaned up Christian. I've got all my stuff together. Haven't we pursued God at times for the wrong reasons? Haven't we expected God to do things for us and our families in our life situations without being willing to do certain things for Him? My kids are notorious for demanding, demanding things from Jillian and I as if we owe them. Can I just say this? We, we don't owe our children anything. We love them. We take care of them. But we don't owe them certain things. It, it's funny, Caden, our oldest, hardly ever expresses his feelings or emotions towards Jillian and I. And, and he's not overly uh, affectionate. And he doesn't tell us that he loves us unless he wants something. <laughs> Daddy? Dad? I love you. You're a good dad. What do you want, Caden? What do you want, Caden? Dad, I, I love you. I mean, you're a good dad. You, thank you for what you've do, you did today. We really appreciate that. What do you want, son? Well, there's that one nutty bar left, and could I have that, Dad? Go get your nutty bar, son. And Ryan, our little girl, she just bats her eyes at me, trying to sway me, and I try to stay strong. Please, Daddy! It's like, man, you're so cute. I mean, how do I say no to that? They're just trying to get what they want. And if it doesn't work with me, they go to Jillian. They go to Mama. The other day, Kitten came in multiple times, our three-year-old, demanding food as if he doesn't eat. Uh, Daddy, I, I need to eat! Well, find your mother, you know? No, just kidding. I, I'm hungry, he says. And, and uh, I tell Kippen, just wait a few minutes. I'll get you something to eat. I promise there's food in there. And instead of waiting, we catch him destroying a pack of cupcakes. And, you know, it, it's taped together. You're not getting that cupcake out. But he was so strong-willed, and he was digging the frosting out, just damaging everything, and cupcake all over his face. And he got his lunch or breakfast or whatever time it was. We're, we're like this with God. We just 
can't wait. We're like this with God in almost every area of our lives when it concerns our family, life situations, marital issues, problems. We just can't wait. We're, we're just trying to get from God what we can, when we can, where we can. Instead of waiting on him, just trusting his timing. God has it all figured out, amen? Keep pursuing, keep asking, but... But, but wait, we, we tend to be consumers when it comes to Jesus and our faith. Everybody say consumers. Our relationship with God cannot be tied up in his good deeds for us. Amen? Our relationship with Jesus must be more than something that's visible or certainly more than provisional. It has to be relational. Not God, what, you, what can you do for me today? I'm in need. God, I need something from you today. I'm drowning. I'm going through this. And God says, I just want you to come and spend time with me and work on your relationship with me. And I'll grow you and I'll provide for you in due time. And I'll take care of that situation and I'll handle it. Trust me. Trust me. And we get impatient. majority of the crowd that was there following Jesus We're in need of something. We sit here today and we're in need of something, aren't we? I bet every single one of us has a need. These people were in need of sight. Some were blind who couldn't see. Some were in need of health and healing. Some were very sick, so they were following Jesus. Some need just simple encouragement. Some of you this morning just need to be encouraged by God that He loves you, and He has a plan for your life. Some were looking for wealth. Jesus, bless my finances. Some just needed nourishment for Jesus just to care. Some just needed time or recognition. And as a crowd pushed in on them, Jesus rallied the disciples and they headed to the mountain to rest for a moment. More like a hill. He retreats and the harvest is approaching. Can you picture it? As Jesus was teaching and ministering, the masses are growing by the day. The needs are becoming greater. And Jesus knows that the answer in that moment has to come from the Father. Not a disciple, not a friend, trusted friend, but the Father. Jesus Christ knows that they must stop what they're doing and ask God for power and strength. Maybe even a plan of action. God, what do we do? What do we do? You see the people. You see the needs. God, you know our ministry. You know what we're capable of. You know our resources. God, what will you have us do? Sometimes, everybody say sometimes. That was weak. Try again. There we go. I shouldn't have to coach you so much. Sometimes we're looking for our sign without putting in our time. Let me say that again. We're 
looking for our sign, we're looking for our miracle, we're looking for God to do something miraculous in our life without putting in our time. In other words, we want instant gratification from pursuing Jesus Christ and the things of God. God, I've attended church three times this month. Yeah, right. I expect something from you. God, I, I prayed like two or three times today. A couple of minutes apiece. I'm growing. I expect something from you. We have this expectation of God and the things that we want, and, and yet we're not patient in our pursuit, and we're, we're really not trying to build our relationship with Jesus and growing in a healthy way. We, we just want something. We, we want God to meet our every need. And listen, I'm guilty of that. I want God to meet my needs, my family's needs, and provide for us, and, and he does. We want God to meet our every need and for our family and our life situation without making faith steps, without making life changes, transformation, without acknowledging there are things we must be doing while waiting for God to do something. Right? We get so busy. We're in such a hurry that we're not looking for God in the small things. We're not looking for God to do anything different. In our lives, we, we become numb, we become complacent. And I'm talking to the believer this morning that's been saved for years. We have become numb. Have we not? Maybe even bored. I'm bored with my faith. I'm bored of my relationship with Jesus. I just kind of go through the motions. I know I have to be at church and attend and serve, but there's just nothing happening. See, those that are seeking, those that are in church, and those that come to faith in Christ, there's an eagerness and there's a zeal and there's a passion because they're hungry for God. Amen? That's what's pumping the life into this work. The eagerness of new believers. The willingness and readiness of those that are wanting something new. Don't you want something new from God? Have you become complacent? Don't you want something fresh? I do daily. I do daily. It doesn't matter how many victories I have or things that I push through in my life or how much I grow. I want something fresh and something new from God daily. And you should too. Can I just say this, church? Set the bar high. Set the bar high when it comes to following and pursuing Jesus Christ because he's worth it. He's worth it. In high school, my buddy had a Camaro, and it was super fast. We would take it out on the back highway and just turn that thing loose. Have you ever gone 120 miles an hour in a car before? Marquez, awesome. You're my friend, you're my friend. No. I wouldn't recommend it, but it was fun. 120 miles an hour. In fact, we, we took the Camaro over here to church this morning, just something real biblical about having a Camaro. And Caden's uh, like, Dad, I feel like we're getting into a race car. I said, son, this is a fast car. He goes, well, come on. I said, no, son, we don't need a ticket on the way to church. I saw another pastor friend on the way, and it kind of was like this. <laughs> Cheapest car I've ever bought, but super fast. 120 miles an hour. You, you miss everything. What's worse is riding shotgun. My buddy's like, having a good time? I was like, no. <laughs> Slow down. Not being in the one in, in control. That's us. We're not in control. You may think you are, but you're not in control. 
when we pursue God, we're supposed to ride shotgun. We're not the one in control. We're not the one making all the decisions. The Bible says we make our own plans, but the Lord decides where we will go. Isn't that cool? Jesus rallies the troops. They take time to regroup. They gear up for the harvest. Now watch this. It says, Jesus looked up and noticed the crowds coming towards him. In other words, he saw the harvest. He saw the harvest. He, he saw more than, than just people coming. He, it wasn't about the crowds. It was about their need. Right now, HPC, we're, we're growing numerically by the week. Maybe it doesn't show this morning because people are out traveling, but we're growing numerically. People are coming. People are seeking. And not just a church family, but a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we want. Amen? And we get to be a part of that. That growth. But we must look past the crowd. Every single one of us. And see the need. You with me? As we grow, the the needs here are greater. As we grow, the demands are greater. Jesus sees this massive group of people and looks to Philip and asks him, what are we feeding them? What are we feeding them? See, Philip lived nearby in Bethesda. He said, Philip, you must know. Could you imagine being Philip in that moment with Jesus? I'd be like, I have not a clue. What are we feeding them? What are we feeding them? Surely they'll need food. Surely there's nowhere else for them to go. They're following Jesus. They're pursuing faith. What are we going to do about taking care of them? And Philip's like, you're you're joking, right? Jesus, did you see how many people are out there? Philip had no vision. Philip had no vision. Do you have any idea what it would take to meet this need? And then he goes on to break down the budget for, for Jesus. Even if we had 200 denarii, it still wouldn't be enough. And Jesus says, And? And? What's your point, Philip? Did Philip forget? Who asked the question? You with me? Nod, smile. Did Philip forget who asked the question? Did did Philip forget that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the miracle man, deity, was able to do anything the Father willed him to do? Anything. Friends, with Jesus there are never Limitations. There are never limitations. The Bible says, for nothing is impossible with God. Remember, Philip had already seen Jesus pull off multiple miracles. He had already seen Jesus turn water into wine. He had seen the power of Christ and His ability to provide for people at a larger scale. And yet His first response was to break down a budget for Jesus. Are you kidding me? I wonder how many of you would be like Philip. It's just not it's not possible. This problem's too big. There's too great of a need. It's not possible. Let, let me break down the numbers. Let me see what we can do. For nothing is impossible with God. No limitations. 
no limitations. Do we not put limitations on God's ability over our lives and our situations to not only meet our needs, but exceed, exceed our needs? The Bible says we have not because we've asked not. It also says, don't miss this part, we reap what we sow. We come to God like Philip, filled with doubt and disbelief. We, we lack faith. We lack trust. And the Bible says Jesus was testing Philip. Imagine that. You've been tested late, lately? Never. He was testing Philip's faith. Why would he do that? But Philip was just sweating. Like, dude, you're asking us to do something that we can't afford to do. Why would you put us in that situation? There were 5,000 people. There's probably about 100 people in here this morning. 5,000 people. 5,000 people that needed to eat. But that was nothing for Jesus to handle. Notice it says this, for he knew what he was going to do. Everybody say he knew. That was depressing. Everybody say he knew. I love that. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. And they're good plans. Plans to prosper you and provide for you. God has met our every need and then some. And yet when we're in need, when we're struggling, we're going through things, we act as though He won't do it again. Don't we? Everybody say, do it again. I want you to see this before we go any further. Jesus never considered turning the crowd away. Not even for a moment. Not even for a moment. Jesus knew in order to reap the harvest, he would have to meet the need. Right now, our church is growing. Right now, our needs are increasing. Right now, we're reaping a harvest like we've never, ever seen before. I've been here 14 years, and I'm seeing God work in ways I've never seen before. 20 plus baptisms? Are you kidding me? Amen? I've got pastor friends calling me saying, what are you doing? What's going on? What's happening? I said, it's not me. It's not our church. It's God. It's the power of Christ. He's moving and working. This means our need for an increase is that much greater. We're at a crossroads. And here's what I'm saying. God expects us, don't miss this part, to take care of the harvest that he's sending us. Right? God expects us to use resources from within to meet the needs, not only of our church, but those we're trying to reach in the community, which means, hold on, don't throw anything at me this morning. I'm going to say something in church, and I don't even know if I should say it. We must take tithing. Tithing. A scary word, isn't it? Did, did he just say tithing? Yes. We must take tithing more seriously. You with me? Tithing is one of the most beautiful things you can ever do as you follow Christ. Because you're saying, God, I trust you with my finances. I trust you. The hardest thing for me to learn as I follow Christ is to tithe. I kind of like my own money. You guys? We try to get out of it and skirt it. God asks for 10%. Just 10%. He allows us to have 90%. 
We wrestle in this area. We want God first in our marriage. We want God first in our parenting, in our household. We want God first in our jobs and everything that we do. We want Him to provide, but we don't put God first in our finances. Can I just say this? God wants us to be consistent in sowing into His work. Faithful. Not here or there. (laughs) Consistent and faithful. God blesses consistency. You with me? For those that have tithed, you know what I'm talking about. It's beautiful to see God provide and bless and do a work and give back to you. He's faithful. It's a big step, isn't it? Those that have made that step, you've done it, you've conquered it. Listen, I'm still working on it. I tithe faithfully, but it's still a struggle. You with me? It's hard. When you put God first in your finances, you'll never, ever, 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 ever lack and be disappointed. The Bible tells us to test God in this. I know churches that give back tithe if they haven't seen God work. You talk about faith, would you imagine? People come and listen, God hasn't done anything. God hasn't done anything. God says, test me. In this. See, Jesus Christ had no intentions of ever turning people away, nor do I, and nor should we. Be one who says, I have no intention of turning someone in need away. You with me? I've been praying that our church, those that are members and those who have been here a long time, those who understand the principle of tithing, they begin to be more obedient in this area. If you're visiting here, you're off the hook. If you're new here to the church, you're off the hook. If you're an unbeliever, you're off the hook. But if you know Christ, he's called us to sow into his work. Amen? We can't hide from that. We can't escape that. Andrew, you'll see where I'm going with this. You're like, whoa, I didn't know this was going to be a message about tithing. See how I slipped that in there? Andrew steps up. Jesus, there's a boy here who has something to give. Jesus, there's a boy here who has something to give. 5,000 people and a boy, a poor child, says, listen, you can have my lunch. I'm hungry. How did he know what Jesus was going to be able to do with that small gift? Here's my lunch. A poor child. A few loaves of bread and Some fish. I know it's not a lot, but it's something. Amen? It's a start. It's what we have. Jesus, can you do something with this small meal? Can you do something greater? Remember, Philip gave excuses to why they couldn't feed the crowd and meet the need and and saw the problem. See, this is the problem. We see the problem instead of the miracle. We see the problem instead of the size of God and His ability. Don't we? We say, God, this is too big for you. You want me to step out in faith and sow? I just can't afford to do that. Start small. Andrew had a different approach. Andrew was willing to give what they had but still lacked faith in the moment. Once the meal was provided, Jesus had them all sit down on the grass What a beautiful picture of God multiplying a generous 
gift. Some of you are like, oh, we're so generous about that gift. Have you thought that before? It was all. All. Everybody say all. It was all the boy had. Jesus, do something with this. What if you only gave him half a meal? I just sneak off in my corner, make sure I'm taken care of. Here it is. God is not asking for us to give all. Is he? A portion. Something small. The poor child gave up everything that he had. Five thousand people were about to sit down and share a meal together because of the faith of a small child and a willing disciple. And it says that he took the meal, the five loaves and two fish, and he multiplied it. Jesus has the ability to multiply our gifts, does he not? He blessed the food and began to pass it out. Some of you are looking for God to do great things in your life. But you haven't sowed anything. And it's not all financial. You with me? You haven't sowed anything. Or maybe you sowed very little. You haven't been faithful to sow into the kingdom. Some of you have been faithful in sowing and tithing and giving. And you've seen God's provision time and time again. You've, you've seen miracles. You've seen signs. And listen, your provision might not always come in the form of finances. You with me? I don't have a lot of finances, but I know I'm blessed. Aren't you? God takes care of me. He takes care of our family. He takes care of our church. He takes care of our ministry. If we sow into the kingdom, he blesses. He gives back. He provides. He takes care of. Start small. Everybody say, start small. Start trusting God for more. Start putting him first in every area of your life. And sit back and watch what God does with the gift. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, you know where we struggle. And whether it's tithing, whether it's giving financially, you know where we struggle. You know what we wrestle with. You know our battles. You know our temptations. You know the physical struggles that we have. You know where we lack. God, I pray that you would empower us to continue to start small in every area of our life to engage you and to believe in you for something greater, to believe that you will work. God, help us to put you first. God, we know you need to be first. I pray that you would encourage us and Challenge us. Love us. God, I pray that our hearts would to be to trust you in your full gift and your full glory and your provision. And never put limitations on you and your ability to move our church. But I pray, God, that you would stir our hearts. Use us for your glory and for your gain. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to have you stand for Thanks for listening to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope the message spoke to you. If you haven't been to our church, come and check us out. We're on Sharon Avenue in Houghton. You can take a look at our webpage, HoughtonBaptist.org, get more information about our location and some of the things going on in the church. Also, check out our Facebook page and YouTube channel. 
Lots of activity there. Houghton Baptist, the truth is spoken here. Come as you are. We do. Come and check us out every Sunday, 10 a.m. Be there. Thanks for stopping by and have a great day.